From the Bill of Rights Institute, Fabric of History weaves together U.S. history, founding principles, and what all of this means to us today. Join us as we pull back the curtains of the past to see what's inside. Although CVS has had its Halloween display going strong since July, the start of fall is finally pushing us to think more about the bigger themes behind America's supernatural celebration. To kick off season four with spirit, Mary and Gary examine haunting tales, both real life and fiction, to understand the humanity they reveal. Ghosts, spirits, phantoms, and apparitions. Why do they have such a prominent role in our past and present? Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Fabric of History. I'm your host, Mary Patterson, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Gary Coletti. Hello, Mary. Hello, Gary. (laughs) How are you? Uh, Doing well. It is autumn, and that is a great season. It is. Fall is my favorite season. I play favorites. I'm just going to come out and say it. (laughs) It's um, We talked about in an earlier episode of The Fabric of History when we talked about school in America, how fall and this back-to-school time is sort of this internal rhythm. The, the changing of the seasons, right? Target's got the candy out. There's pumpkins everywhere. There's something about fall where things are getting chillier, things are getting darker, and I don't know, dare I say a little spookier? Oh, <laughs> So I think the seasons, right, the change of the seasons, of course, you start to see Halloween things. And it is this really interesting idea about, you know, Halloween and ghosts, the Day of the Dead. You're seeing these things, you know, in lots of places. The war on pumpkin spice is beginning again. And are you pro? Are you against? Write to us. Let us know. Um, But (laughs) I just think this idea of ghosts is really interesting, especially for, you know, us, the Bill of Rights Institute, we love history and ghosts always have really interesting stories. So why not put the two together? Absolutely. Yeah, there is. There's this great shared experience in our culture in the fall, wherever you are, sort of a generalized turn of attention to to the spooky, that's the word that you used, right? Mm-hmm. But um, there's an interesting twist on on the history of what has happened in the past and how we're remembering it when we talk about ghosts. And I think, you know, no matter where you are, you're often surrounded by either your local version, but I think there's also some common versions of ghosts that have appeared throughout American history and that we remember American history through it. So I think that's a great take on the on autumn and the fall. Yeah, I think it's worth exploring what is what is a classic American ghost stories and why do we have these stories that are very local and personal to our communities, perhaps even our own families, and then why do these stories endure? Why are we so fascinated with things that go bump in the night? I think that's worth a conversation. That is definitely. I think we should get into it. Let's do it. Okay. So, as often we do on Fabric of History, we like to uh, clarify right from the beginning sort of what it is we're talking about. So, the the world of of ghosts, apparitions, phantoms, specters, I think is is a wide one, and I would argue is is kind of a spectrum. And I, I'm looking for a pun there: specter, spectrum. There's something in there. Um, but I think you know just to clarify and 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 
narrowed down. I think that spectrum kind of ranges from like vaguely uneasy causing, you know, like it just doesn't feel right if you go to a specific house or a specific place, right? Two, there might be unusual occurrences that happen, things that move about and can't be explained. Um, there's the feeling of a presence, which you know, I, I think is a very common experience that at some point in someone's life, they might have experienced a presence, heard a voice, maybe even seen something like way off in the distance. Um, and sometimes there's encounters or interactions with yes. with, with with the beyond um, so much so that it even gets to the point where there's like hunting. Right. So we, we might even talk about there are places that reliably you might spot um, some kind of occurrence that cannot be explained um, that I think falls in that category. So uh, we're not I, I don't think we're going to talk about things like, you know, doppelgangers or, you know, encountering visions of things of still living people. I think we're specifically talking about occurrences involving those who have died, those from the past um, that are now in some way making connections with the living. Is that fair to say that that's the realm of what we're talking about? Yeah, I think so. The other piece of I think that is very interesting about this, you talked about this idea of feeling a presence or hearing a voice. So it's this interesting part of history where we're normally thinking, you know, with our intellect, our brain, but this is sort of much more of a, a visceral gut feeling. You just sense a presence. So it's really, I think that's also an interesting part of what we're talking about is can you always explain this with your cognition or is it just a feeling that you have? So that's a great way to put it, particularly since, you know, again, this is a podcast that focuses on on U.S. history and civics and, and, and civic life. And and you're right. I think we we frequently are talking about those who have come before. We're talking about the humans who have been around and the narratives of of their lives um, or in the cases probably today, their 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 demise <laughs> um, or, or something that they went through or, or things like that. But but you're right. Often that's a sort of choosing to do it right. Doing research, understanding more. And that is that's fantastic for history. We love doing that. But I think what what I'm hearing you say that makes ghosts and, and apparitions slightly different is sometimes you're visited by history <laughs> that you weren't seeking. Yeah. I mean, history comes to you and you're not whether you want it or not. So I think that's sort of the recurring thread through a lot of stories of encountering something that you can't easily explain is that, you know, you weren't seeking out, you know, talking to a little girl that died <laughs> 70 years ago, <laughs> she came to you. So it's just an interesting, I mean, we, we're all about stories, we're all about narratives. And these are really interesting stories, they endure, they stick with us. In a lot of cases, maybe they're unfinished. So it's this interesting, you know, avenue of mm -hmm. uh, remembering someone who maybe we wouldn't have remembered in history books otherwise. But I think that if we're talking about ghost stories, <laughs> or this this idea of the sort of a spookiness or uneasy, creepy feeling goosebumps. There are definitely specific stories in American history that I think really set the pattern for this fascination with the other world or things that we can't quite explain with our brains and our heads. So 
I mentioned a little Victorian girl. Yeah, so, that, was, that didn't seem hypothetical. No, I, I was thinking of a very specific little Victorian girl. <laughs> known, uh, Her name was Margaret Fabray, and she is known around Arlington, Virginia, which is where BRI is, our office is in Northern Virginia, as the pool ghost. So as with, you know... With all these stories, you know, it starts it starts with something unexplained. So in 2012, so very recently, there was construction being done at this nearby pool, community pool. And the construction workers reported that they would often see this little girl in Victorian clothing climbing <laughs> through the rubble and walking is- through the site. That is terrifying. If I could interrupt. So they weren't like looking for this. Like, it's not like they were like, oh, this is the like they were just like, hey, there's a little girl here in Victorian clothing at our construction site. Right, right. So That's very the- unexplained. And again, multiple people were seeing this. So it wasn't like one guy saw it and was like, oh, maybe I need more coffee or something like that. But multiple right. people saw this. And so, again, it turns out that this little girl, the site where they're working on used to be the home of the Fabre family in the 1890s. And there was a little girl there named Margaret who died in 1913. So again, this is sort of tragedy, you know, this death of this young child died at this in her home. Later, the house is bought by another family and it's turned into a sanitarium in the mm-hmm. 1940s. And when the house, you know, with transfers to a new owner, these new owners heard, you know, music or voices. They like. So scary. Yeah. Things they couldn't <laughs> explain. And they also <laughs> saw this little girl. Man. So, you know, Margaret clearly has an attachment to this site. And the, I think the the coolest part or the spookiest <laughs> part of this story is that a construction worker. So again, we're fast forwarding to 2012. A construction worker actually you know, approached this little girl and was like, you got to get out of here. You know, we're doing, you know, dangerous work and realized (laughs) this is, this is the, this is not like a little normal little girl. This is a ghost. (laughs) And he quits on the spot. Quits when he realizes he'd been talking to a ghost. (laughs) This is my uncomfortable laughter because that is like the chills on my neck and arms right now of like that idea is terrifying. Yeah, like I have goosebumps. So again, we we talked about this idea of it's it's not like something intellectually. You're like, well, this person died and she's not with us anymore. But you feel something like your body is reacting in a very, you know, real way. I can see the goosebumps. I, you know. I can hear Gary's nervous yeah. laughter. So <laughs> again, but it's this just it's a really it's an interesting story. We wouldn't mm-hmm. have known Margaret's name. You know, she would probably not be in a history textbook. It's terrible. It's a tragedy. It's, you know, that's horrifying. But her story is unfinished in a way, right? She's just a little girl and she's still attached in some way to the site. It's very, very interesting. So can't yeah. discount it. I'm not ready to just say, <laughs> no, that's just utter nonsense. No, I think it tells us a lot about the some commonalities um, in in ghost stories in American culture. I mean, I, I think that's there's so many pieces of that that are, I think, really interesting. So, I mean, if I could back up and sort of pick it apart, because that's kind of what we do here. Right. So. So one, there's lots of ghost stories out there, lots of stories across America. We picked this one because it is very close to us, like you said. Right? I mean, Arlington is where Bill of Rights Institute is. And and locally, there are actually quite a number of stories 
stories <laughs> in our area. Um, we're near Alexandria, which has a lot of stories from the colonial era, and you know, there's these ghost tours. But but this one really sticks out as probably one of the more well-known local ones. So if you're if you're somewhere across the country and you've not heard uh, of Margaret Fabre, that's understandable, right? You may have your own local ghost who's very famous. A lot of people have encountered that. In fact, we'd love to hear if you do. Um, <laughs> you can write into comments at fabricofhistory.org. We would love to hear a local yes. story. We, we're, we're very curious to kind of sort of collect these stories from across America. But that being aside, so so there, there's this local tie. And then you mentioned she's she's close to a site, right? And I think that's another commonality, right? That, that often we imagine a house or a location. Battlefields are very common, right? So so there are areas where where something's happened either to an individual uh, or it could be, you know, the phrases in, in if you do the research on it, right? It's phrases like it's wrought by the crisis of the area, right? So if there's like a battle that happened, a tragedy that often we'll, we'll see a lot more uh, reports of these kinds of things. And, and that's an interesting question about this, right? What is it about our memory of events happening to an individual or, or to a place that, that causes us to, to remember these things? But I think that leads to the next part, which is, like you said, you know, the, that construction worker you mentioned and others, like they didn't go in looking for this girl, right? They just saw one. But that was very inspiring to then say, wait, who is this person? And to do research that we normally would do in history, right? What what is the narrative of this life? What is the, the story of this area? And so it's almost a reversal, I think, as you were saying, Mary, of how we often think about doing research, right? We often like have a question. Well, this one started with <laughs> this this individual first and to learn more and more about them. And like you said, you know, it, it's common for a, a very well-known person. Um, you know, Abraham Lincoln comes to mind as, as someone that people have reported seeing images of, but he's also very famous. You know, Margaret is 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 somebody who we still remember is is now a, a local historical figure that it just gets passed down from from generation to generation uh, and i think there's something really significant to that um so there's so many uh there's so many aspects and then i think another aspect so there's the place there's the the history and the research there's the crisis i think there's also the encounter i think there's something here that in the story you know we said there's a spectrum right anything from a presence to actually speaking in this case you had you had interaction there's almost I, I think some of the phrases that come up when you when you when you do I, I think they call it psychical research I think is the actual terminology <laughs> for it um, but when you take a look at this is like the veil between the living and the dead is thinner or gone in some moments and that's when there's this really and I, I just to bring it back to what you were saying Mary this this visceral connection between the living and the dead is huge in our culture it is I mean I think it's um so I think it's a human thing first and foremost, but there is, I think there's definitely sort of a, an American spin to it. Um, and I think, like you said, this, this idea of the encounter as being the starting point. So it's the encounter that creates a question that makes you want to learn more. Hey, Fabric of History listener, learned anything new yet? At BRI, we have a lot more to share. Check out our YouTube channel in the description where we dissect and discuss U.S. history and civics with experts and teachers. We update weekly and would love for you to join the conversation. And now, back to our podcast. 
if we're talking about like an American ghost story, I think for me, I think for anybody, it's really the legend of Sleepy Hollow. It's oh, it's yeah, the encounter. Absolutely. It's the encounter of Ichabod Crane encounters yeah. this quote unquote headless horseman. And yeah, absolutely. I think what's really interesting about that story. So just if you're unfamiliar with the story, mm-hmm. the legend of Sleepy Hollow. So it is written in, it's published in 1819, 1820 by Washington Irving in a collection of stories, the sketchbook. And the plot is that Ichabod Crane, he's a school teacher. He lives in Sleepy Hollow. It's a Dutch enclave on the Hudson River. He's very suggestible. He believes in ghost stories. And there is, a there is again, this idea of a local ghost. So in Sleepy Hollow, the town, there is a tale of a Hessian mercenary from the American Revolution who lost his head from a cannon blast. And he's said to be looking from, for his head. So hence the headless horseman. And so he believes that this is true. The other part of the story is that he is after Katrina Van Tassel, who's very wealthy, and there's another mm. man who's interested in Katrina. So one night, this his sort of rival, Brom Bones, is, uh, <laughs> tricks him. He basically follows him and throws a pumpkin at him. So Ichabod believes that he saw the Hessian ghost, but it was actually, in the story, it was actually a human pretending to be a ghost. But again, this idea, I think the idea of being afraid of fear or Mm -hmm. um, outstripping reality, it's just, I think that's what's so interesting about the story, right? It's spooky. I remember watching the cartoon version of a little kid and it scared me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was really scary. So, and again, that story, and again, this idea of headless horsemen and pumpkins, it's sort of, it sticks with us in American culture. Absolutely. I mean, certainly, I, you know, as I've mentioned in other podcasts, growing up in New York, it's that's an annual tale that is told, uh, even though I was, uh, you know, downstate and that was sort of an upstate tale. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, the Sleepy Hollow, which is a real place you can visit, which, by the way, is extremely pleasant. If you ever do get another shout out to towns across yeah. America, if you get a chance to go to Sleepy Hollow, it is it is is um, quite pleasant. I've, I've gotten there before. Um, but but yeah, again, there are these elements that are really interesting, like even in this story. Right. The 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 soldier, like the the idea that the tale already existed prior to Ichabod Crane and that it was wrought out of, you know, it sounds like war. It was a soldier. Right. right? Something happened. Um, So you're remembering the event. You're remembering what happened to this individual. um, And it's just part of uh, even the imagery of a pumpkin. We now as we frequently say, take for granted things, but mm-hmm. that the, the imagery of pumpkins around this time of year, you know, it kind of all goes together. Uh, I agree with you in a really interesting way that is, is strangely comforting for something so unsettling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think the time period is part of it too, right? You mentioned, you mentioned it was, you know, it, it written in the, the early 1800s. Um, and I think that, that also that there are these points in history that, that, um, I, there's a connection that often happens, like, a, you know, often upticks of um, whether things being unsettled or culture developing in a certain way that you're going to get more ghost stories or 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 associated in certain ways. So that's a great example. The, the 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 fact that it becomes part of literature now, right, that it's so invited into our culture, um, I think, is absolutely significant. Right, well, I think the other there's a couple other things that are interesting about the headless horseman or the legend of sleepy hollow to me. So first is that there's fear without anything actually evil happening, 
Which right. I think I think that translates into the, our example of Margaret Fabray too. I mean, it was tragic and awful that this little girl died young, but that wasn't evil per se. It was mm-hmm. just a tragedy. And again, with um, with Ichabod Crane being believing he saw the ghost, there wasn't. It was actually just a joke, right? This other guy was trying to mess with right. him. So it's not. I mean, maybe that's not very nice, but I wouldn't say that's evil. So Didn't I think harm that's, him. Yeah, 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 but it's still, um, it's just a good story. It keeps alive this memory of these really interesting characters. Like you can, I, I can identify with Ichabod Crane because I, <laughs> I am easily scared by stories of ghosts. And also the story, the idea of a headless horseman because he lost his head. Again, this moment of crisis in a time of crisis in the American Revolution, even though he was fighting for the wrong side as a Hessian, he would have been mm-hmm. fighting for the British. But um, that's really interesting, too. Absolutely. I, I love your I love that you're focusing on the idea that these encounters are not necessarily um, not necessarily negative or, or harmful. Um, they're just encounters and they can go back as far as you can remember. And you also you also said the value of remembering the value of not only remembering the story, but the people, um, you know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about how a big part in American culture is Dia de los Muertos, right? The Day of the Dead. Um, and this is not a, this is not a harmful. This is another moment where the veil between the living uh, and the dead are thinner. A significant percentage of Americans celebrate this in a, in a really meaningful way. To really honor family members, usually, um, but also, you know, within communities, those who have passed, it is it is yeah. not a haunting. It is not a negative thing, but but uh, a moment to commune, a moment to communicate, mm-hmm. right, to 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 leave gifts, to cook special foods, to to have to create that. As you you use the word visceral, but again, that doesn't have to be negative, that real bodily feeling of connection to someone who is dead or a group of people uh, in a really meaningful way. And there's something there's really something beautiful about remembering the people in the past in that way. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And I have in a very kind of a silly, very Mary Patterson sort of way, um, (laughs) my own connection with Dia de los Muertos. So I knew of it. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't my family. I didn't grow up celebrating it or anything like that. I just sort of had a very nominal view of what it was. But after after seeing the movie Coco, (laughs) Mm, I was just in I was like, this is beautiful. It's such a fast this idea that if as your memory fades, the person fades. I thought was so powerful. And I think Mm -hmm. that um, so that that drove me that encounter with (laughs) the movie Coco drove Mm -hmm. me to really learn about the holiday itself. And like you said, it's just this. This um, it's beautiful of remembering what came before. And I think that that's there is a again, it's not that it's necessarily a, an important president or I mean, it could be a president or it could be this important figure that we see in a, in a history book. But I mean, history is also just, you know, everyday men and women. We make up the mm-hmm. stories and just remembering your own personal piece of that and having a time to honor that and commune with that. As you said, I think that's really that's really interesting. So I guess I think, I mean, you, you talked about in the beginning of our conversation, Gary, you mentioned this idea of a spectrum of where you are on, oh, I absolutely believe in ghosts or, oh, I regularly talk up with ghosts. <laughs> I talk <laughs> to ghosts. I have never myself had an encounter that I would say um, 
was with something like Margaret for Bray or something. I know mm. plenty of stories. You know, I went to a very old school. It had plenty of stories. I live in an old area. Alexandria has tons of stories. Um, and I work in the shadows of Margaret for Bray's mm-hmm. <laughs> home, but um, former home. But um, it's something that's been appealing to people for a very long time. It's been, you know, part of an American culture for a very long time. So I, I think that's a great point. Why do you think I'm putting you on the spot? Why do you think it endures in the way that it does? I mean, you just said it's it definitely is. This is again, this is with our theme of reversal, right? Where we're, the premise is it does endure. So why, why do you think that's the case? I think it endures because I think I think we want to know the outcome. We want an end to a story. We're very curious, you know, what happens or what's going to happen. And I think in a lot of these stories, they were cut short in some way. A cannon blasted your head off mm-hmm. or you died tragically young um, or there was a, you know, some sort of... Uh, some other sort of tragedy befell you. So there's no, the story wants to be finished, but can't be finished. So it's Mm. up to us to think about that. And I also think it's this idea of the feeling. I mean, it's, it's very important to use logic and reason. We are reasonable human beings, but, um, but we also, you know, our feelings, our gut, this visceral sense, our gut is our second brain, researchers are now saying. So that it can, mm. I don't think it can be discounted that if there's some sort of feeling, maybe there's more there. That's my two cents. <laughs> I do love that. There, there's, there's, that's a really nice way to put back to how we started this whole conversation about the, the impacts of these stories that it's... It is an interesting combination of feeling and thought. There's there's an experience, and that leads to research to wanting more, which then leads to, like you said, it's almost like a, a song whose last couple of notes oh, aren't yeah. finished. It's this experience of needing it to finish, I think, is a great perspective on it. And so, um, you know, sometimes it's starting with the ending is often how that happens, starting mm. with the event and then going backwards. Um yeah, I mean, this is that's they're stories of everyday people. It's a way to remember an everyday person, mm-hmm. and it's just it's got that appeal of the unknown, the beyond. These timeless questions human beings have been asking forever. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the story, the story on ghost stories will continue, <laughs> and we <laughs> would right. love they endure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, and as Gary said. We are so we love stories here at the Bill of Rights Institute. So we would love to know your stories. So do you have a local ghost, a local haunting? Is there a story you could share with us? We would love to hear it at comments at fabricofhistory.org. And perhaps we could share it on a future podcast. So local ghost story, send it to comments at fabricofhistory.org. Oh my god. What was that? What was that? I don't know. Uh, I think we gotta go, guys. Okay, well, it was <laughs> Keep, good talking to you. Bye, yeah, everybody. Bye, everybody. The Bill of Rights Institute engages, educates, and empowers individuals with a passion for the freedom and opportunity that exist in a free society. Check out our educational resources and programs on our website, mybri.org. Any questions or suggestions for future episodes? We'd love to hear from you. Just email us at comments at fabricofhistory.org. And don't forget to visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram to stay connected and informed about future episodes. 
Thank you for listening.